lives, you get to see what we value the most. For a lot of people, you, you ask, what, what do you zoom in on? A lot of people zoom in on like, fun, enjoying life. I want to have fun and enjoy life because life is so short. Some people zoom in on achievement. You know, what they want their life to, to amount to is, man, I want to get as high as I possibly can in this life. I want to be as successful as I could possibly be. Some people zoom in on themselves. They zoom in on a mirror. At camp a couple weeks ago, the, the camp pastor used this illustration, so the teenagers, it's going to sound familiar to y'all. When you see on Facebook or on social media that, that you're tagged in an image and that there, a, a group picture is taken, what's the first thing that you look for? Yourself. Why do you do that? Because we want to know, do I look fat? Do I, look, do I have like a booger hanging out of my nose? Is my hair parted just right? You know, it, it, and, and the reality is, nobody cares because no, guess, who, guess who's going to be the only one looking at you? You. We zoom in on things that we find important, and guess what? For most of us in this room, the thing at the center of our universe is me. It's myself. What we zoom in on, what we focus on, shows what we value the most in life. John's message this morning is very simple. John's message is, is, is simply this. Spend your life zooming in on Jesus, and then you'll find true life. To put it a different way, life and its fullest sense is found by focusing on and believing in Jesus. Let's go to John's Gospel this morning, chapter 20, starting in uh, verse 30. And if you would please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word together. This is right after Jesus has appeared to the disciples and specifically to Thomas. John wraps up his book, and this is how he does it. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. Father, as short as these two verses are, I pray that we would unpack their meaning, that we would this morning see that by zooming in on Jesus with our lives, that we would find true life. Help us this morning, Lord. Show us this morning where we're zooming in on other things whether good or bad. Lord, help show us where our priorities are not in sync with you. Show us where we prioritize things more than we prioritize you. And help us, Lord, to experience the life that you talk about here. In Jesus' name, amen.
So John in this passage is making two claims. Two claims. First of all, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And the second is that believing results in true life. Believing results in true life. So basically, what John sets out to do here is he's wrapping his book up. He's wrapping up his gospel and he says, you know, Jesus did a lot of things that I didn't have time to write down. I mean, if you were to look at, at, at all that Jesus did, all that Jesus taught, John goes on to say that perhaps all the books of the world couldn't contain it. But John picks out six or seven different signs, different miracles that Jesus did, and he recorded them so that we would understand something. And that something is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. What does that mean, Christ? It means Messiah, God's anointed King. And basically, through the prophets, God promised a King that would come and deal with mankind's greatest problem, sin. And that He would rule over His people in perfect peace. This is an office that, throughout the Old Testament... The prophets are looking forward to. And now John is saying, Jesus is that king. He's not a king who who comes to rule here and now, but he's a king who comes to deliver us from our greatest enemy, sin, the grave. And one day we're told that this Messiah will return again and he will establish perfect peace in all the world. John is saying he is the Christ. He is the king. But he doesn't just stop there. This king is not just a human king. Notice he says that Jesus is the son of God. One commentator says it this way. That basically is saying that Jesus is the one who is exactly like the father in all attributes and in the sense of having a father-son relationship with God the father. Basically what that means is everything that makes the Father God is in Jesus. He is God. He is God. But John doesn't just want us to just take what he's saying just by itself, but notice what he's saying. He says, I wrote all these signs down. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. The signs that he writes down, there are six of them all throughout his book. In chapter 2, he changes water to wine, showing that he is the fulfillment of the good things God promised. In chapter 4, he heals the official son. He brings healing. Only God can do that. In chapter 5, he heals the invalid. And he does it on the Sabbath. Showing that Jesus is the Lord over the Sabbath. Only God can say what happens on the Sabbath. Next, in chapter 6, he feeds the multitude. Showing that he's the bread of life. That he is the Messiah that is being fulfilled, that is prophesied by the Old Testament. That he is the greater Moses. Moses gave the people manna in the wilderness. And now Jesus comes and says, I'm the fulfillment of this, and I'm going to give you true bread where you'll never hunger again. 
In chapter 9, He heals the man who was born blind, showing that Jesus can heal our spiritual blindness. Only God can do that. And then finally, and I think ultimately, chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the grave, showing that Jesus Himself has power over life and death. Only God can do that. So John is saying, you look at these, you look at these miracles, you look at these signs, and the, the only conclusion that you can come away with is that Jesus is the Christ, the King, and He is God. Now, I, I want to be careful to, to point out something here, and that is, just by seeing this, that does not equal belief. In John chapter 6, as he is feeding the multitudes, he says something really interesting to the people. John chapter 6, starting at the, at the very beginning, these people are following Jesus. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following. Notice what it says. For those of you over here, I'll read it to you. A large crowd was following him. Why? Because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Wow. These people are following Jesus because they saw signs. They didn't believe that he was who he was claiming to be. They just thought, man, this is pretty interesting. This guy's healing the sick. I haven't seen anybody ever do that before. So they come to Jesus. Jesus feeds the multitude, a miracle in and of itself. And He goes to the other side of the sea to get away from the crowds. This is where He walks on water. You know the, the story. He gets to the other side and then the people are still coming to Him. Later in the chapter, this is what it says, when they found Him on the other side of the sea, they said to Him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, if you were, seek, you were seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him, God the Father has set His seal. The people continue to follow Jesus. This time, not only because they saw signs, but because Jesus gave them something to eat. In other words, these folks really didn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They really didn't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But they were following Him because, man, He's interesting. And there's some benefit to doing that. Basically, they were following Him for the wrong reasons. Now, I want, I want you to just pause for a second. And I want you to let that sink in. The crowds saw Jesus do these signs that John is writing about. But they didn't truly believe. I wonder if the same thing could be said about us this morning. Let that sink in. I wonder if the same thing can be said about us this morning. The question before us today is not, do you believe that Jesus did these things? Because I think if we polled everybody in the room, the general consensus is, 
everybody's going to say, of course I believe Jesus did these things. Of course I believe Jesus performed these miracles. But here's the question. Is Jesus the one consuming passion of your life? It's not, do I think in my head that He did these things, but do I truly believe, and is that the one consuming passion of my life? Most of us would affirm that He did those things, but that's not enough. Have you seen Jesus as He truly is, and have you given up all treasures to have Him? Are you able to say that I was living my life for my own pleasure? Now, I'm finding all of my joy in Him. Can you say, I was making a name for myself, and now I'm living for His fame? Can you say, I was chasing after success, I was chasing after money, those are the things I was zooming in on, but now He is my treasure. Can you say, I knew about Jesus. I gave mental assent to the fact that He did these things, but now I'm all in. Now He is the one consuming passion of my life. And if you're here this morning and you're asking, how do I go from one to the other? How do I go from, from just simply you know, knowing about what Jesus did to actually knowing Him? How do I go from zooming in on these wrong things in my life to zooming in on the thing that really matters? And in that question, I would simply say this. Ask God to open your eyes so that you can see. Ask God to open your eyes because, church, that's what we need. That's what John's point is, that we need a very clear view of what Jesus has done because that's what's going to result in us truly trusting. And I've got good news for you. If Jesus can open the eyes of the man who was born blind, if he can give him sight, he can give us sight too. Whether you're a Christian who your eyes are growing dull or whether you're not a Christian and you've never truly seen these things, he can open your eyes. And then when he does that, listen, when he opens your eyes, pursue Christ with everything you've got. Zoom in to him with everything that you've got. So what difference does it make if we truly focus on Jesus and see him as he really is? I think John's second claim answers that question. So what if Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? What difference does it make when you look at the end of the verse, you start understanding that this is very crucial for us. The end of the verse says this, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. Just like we just looked at, belief is more than mental assent. It's more than saying, I believe that this happened, but it's something that consumes our life. A few years ago, I encountered a new, or maybe I should say really old idea, and that is that the earth is flat. Y'all, y'all, have y'all ever met a flat earther? By a show of hands, are any of y'all flat? No, I'm kidding. Don't, if, 
If you, if you believe that, please don't raise your hand. Here's their beliefs. The earth is flat. The Arctic is the center of the earth. As you can see, as you guys over here can see on the screen, and you guys can look back there or just take my word for it. The Arctic is the center. The Antarctic is like a wall that goes around the earth. The sun and the moon are actually spheres, very small spheres, orbiting about 3,000 miles above the earth. Earth's gravity doesn't exist, but rather the earth is moving up. So when you drop an object, it's really not falling, but the whole earth is moving. All photographs of the earth are photoshopped. I'm sorry. I, I really, if, if any of you believe this, I'm not trying to make fun of you. I'm just, this, this is just really funny to me. The reason for the concealment. Why on earth are all of the world's governments conspiring to, to make us think that the earth is really round? Nobody knows. But it's probably for financial gain. It's probably for financial gain. Now, here's my question in saying all of that. Have you ever met a flat earther who just passively believes these things? Have you ever met somebody that says, you know, I, th I really think the earth is flat. I think it's all one big conspiracy. Yeah, but you know, I'm just going about my day. No big deal. Of course not. Why? Because people that believe this, this is the all-consuming passion of their life. It shapes everything about their life, about their, how they view the world. It shapes everything about their conversation. Somebody that believes this, it's not going to take them very long in conversation for them to come and tell you, I believe that the whole thing's a conspiracy, that the earth is really flat. It consumes everything about them, and in the same way, if we have the true belief that John is talking about here, it's not just something that we can passively believe. But it's something that's going to shape everything about our life. It's going to shape everything about our conversations. It's going to come in and all other things in our life are going to revolve around it. That is the belief that John is talking about here. And notice the result of that belief. He says, and that by believing you may have what? Life. Life in His name. What does that mean? I thought I was already alive. I think in John's Gospel, John really highlights Jesus' teaching on two aspects of this life. In John 11, before Jesus raises Lazarus from the grave, this is what he says. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I want you to notice two things here. First of all, life, in Jesus' terms, means eternal life, as in there is life after death. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Those who believe in me, though he die, yet shall he live. 
Death is a result of sin and the fall, and Jesus is victorious over the grave. He's undoing the effects of sin. That's what the Messiah does. But you know, God doesn't want us merely living, waiting to receive life. He's not just saying, well, you know, live your life here and then you got a better one coming. But we experience the life that He gives us here and now also. In other words, Jesus didn't just die to get us into heaven. Jesus wants heaven to come and dwell inside of us here and now. That's the second part of what He says. Everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die. So he's talking first about life that's going to come after death, and now he's saying there's life here and now that not even death can take away. And this is what he means. Instead of a life full of vanity and worthlessness, instead of a life zooming in on all of these things that in the end mean nothing, that in the end leave us empty, that in the end make us wonder, like, did I really strive this whole life for this? Jesus says, no, the life I give you that you can experience here and now is a life full of joy and purpose. Why? Because this is what we were made for. God made us to reflect His glory. We weren't made for mirrors. We weren't made to zoom in on fun. We weren't made to zoom in on ourselves. We were made to zoom in on Him and to reflect His glory among the earth. And so when we live that purpose in Christ, when we come to Christ, we zoom in on Him and we find that our sins are forgiven. We find that that He gives us life. When we see that happen, we live for that purpose. So my question for you today Do you have that life? Do you have that life? When you truly see Jesus as He is, that changes everything. That gives you this true life. Life with joy. Life with a purpose. Life in its truest sense. Life in its fullest sense is found by focusing on and believing in Jesus. And that's not just for the non-Christian, but that's for the Christian as well. I'm not just telling you like, hey, if you're not a Christian, you need to come and experience true life. I am saying that. But also, if you're in this room today and you'd say, I call myself a Christian, this is just as applicable to you because... There are many times in my life where I'm not experiencing this kind of life, this kind of joy that Jesus is describing. There's many times in life where our focus gets off and all of a sudden the purpose that we once had, the joy that we once had, just seems to vanish. So this isn't just for non-believers saying, hey, come and experience the joy that we have in Jesus. This is for believers. This is for followers of Jesus To say, hey man, come in. Refocus on Him. You know, when I got married, 
I thought, man, this is life. I don't know what I was doing before, but man, this is just life. This is the way it's supposed to be. Then one day I had children. I don't know why you're laughing. And I thought, after I had kids, I'm like, man, this is life. I don't know what I was doing before. When I finished school, finished seminary, I thought, man, this is life. This is what it's all about. I'm finally done. And you know what I found is that for various things in my life, I I always go back and think that. I always go back and think, man, when something big happens, man, I have arrived. This is the way life is supposed to be. And you know what I found? And I think, if you're honest with yourself, you find the same as well. As great as each one of those things are. For some of you, you can add to it. Today you had grandkids. Wow. As great as life is with all these things, as much as, I've, as, much as I think I have arrived, all of this pales in comparison to the life that we can have in Jesus. I mean, think of life's greatest joys. They're nothing in comparison to what Jesus offers us. So let's stop zooming in on the things that we zoom in on other than Jesus. Good things. Our kids, I mean, kids are great. Family's great. Education's great. Jobs are great. Money's great. But when you put the focus of your life on these things, what you're going to find is that when you think, man, I have arrived, you're going to feel it like sand going in between your fingers. Because what those things promise, as good as they are, they do not deliver like Jesus does. So if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, in just a moment we're going to stand, we're going to sing, and for you, I think the way you ought to respond to this is you, hopefully your eyes are being opened, and hopefully the Spirit is working on you. And maybe for, for you, if you're not a Christian, the response to this is for you to come and for the first time embrace this life, to embrace Jesus, to receive forgiveness, to experience true life, to start that journey here today. But for some of you here, you would say, I'm a Christian, but I'm struggling. Maybe you're a Christian and you're not walking with the Lord faithfully. Maybe you're a Christian and you're struggling constantly with sin and you just, you feel like, man, I'm, I'm not experiencing the life that Jesus talks about here. For you, the invitation for you is simply to repent. To repent of zooming in on these various things in your life and say, Lord, forgive me for zooming in on the things that don't really matter. And Lord, help me to focus on you. Open my eyes so that I can see you. 
If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you're like, man, I'm living the life. I'm feeling the joy. For you to respond, you, I think you simply respond in worship. That's what we were created for. So if that's you, if you would say, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm experiencing this life, praise God, sing His praise. Live that joy out in your life. Let that joy be contagious as you have conversations with people. Boldly declare the gospel where you go. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes so that we can see. Because Lord, what we need most is vision so that we can see you. And Lord, so often we are nearsighted. We focus on the things that are around us, seeing, trying to find contentment and joy and purpose. Hoping that these things around us will give us the life that we desire. A life that is fleeting, a life that is short and all the while Lord you stand offering life to all who zoom in on you to all who believe in you to all who trust you with everything they've got who cling to you and Lord there's some of us in this room feels like our grip is slipping on you whether it's the cares of life or all these things Lord that are pulling us away where we feel like our grip is slipping in, it, in that moment Lord would you open our eyes so that we can truly see and show us right in that moment Lord that even though our grip slips that you are holding us tightly in Jesus name